You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello. Hello. Anyone around here speak basketball? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball, Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Revis, and um, uh, my good friend, the best producer in the world on the other side, maybe with a new laptop. I don't know. Uh, what is your name, sir? That's right. I'm Matt. I am your producer, and uh, this is actually the last... The last episode on the old computer because okay. the new one is uh, it got here about an hour ago, Woo! so I just don't have it in me to uh, rush it. But next hey. week, oh boy, that's exciting! Listen, <laughs> I know Matt well, and he's a gadget master. Yeah. So the fact that you're here with me right now doing this pod, and you got a new laptop an hour ago, yeah, I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored that you didn't cancel. You know what I mean? Not, I'm not filming and unboxing right now. Oh God, yeah, no problem. Um, uh, Maddie D, you are the greatest. Uh, let's uh, let's get started here. Let's bring on guest number one. Uh, he's done this podcast, uh, you know, for years now. Uh, we met uh, on the lineup on NBA TV Canada. Uh, uh, he works for CBC news. Um, you know, he, he does a lot of different stuff. He's a, he's a writer. He's a producer. Um, he, he plays ball. He's just a, he's a great all around guest. Give it up as loud as you can. Even if you're, even if you're at home alone for Derek Dionorain. What's up, buddy? Hey man. Thanks so much for having me again. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm always happy to have you and and those that those beautiful collection of shoes in the back. <laughs> I promise these are not all mine. These are these are my partner and eyes as well. So it's uh, it's not all mine, but uh, you know, happy to to have them on display a little bit. Hey, even if it's a shared shoe collection, it's looking good. Thank you. <laughs> um, also, don't know if I've said this before, but that mirror on yes. behind you looks like a snowboard but i know it's not you know <laughs> yeah I, i've gotten that a couple times before on a, on a few different chats um i i just feel i felt the need to say that uh let's uh let's bring on guest number two uh i think she's only done this podcast uh once before uh i met her through uh uh my buddy and fellow podcaster uh, on, on raptors republic uh Catherine niker uh she's a massive uh star trek fan she runs the, the swear trek uh, Twitter account, uh, huge Raptor fan, um, and, and podcaster. And we were talking about before she, you know, she's got levels. She's got dualities. Give it up as high as you can, even if you're home alone for Chris Myers. Okay. That's some of the smoother music. I feel like, well, yeah, that, that seems like, listen, we, we, we go Matt goes out of his way to make sure we have royalty free music. It's <laughs> like, it might be someone's, you know what I mean? No, like, it just, it, the royalty free gets better with age. Wow. So all our old guests, they've got some real weird digital <laughs> Kevin <laughs> McLeod <laughs> joints. Good, good. Yeah. Well, Chris, yeah, you're almost in like the Jay Tilla territory. Um, what's up? How are you? Uh, thanks for doing the pod. Thank you for having me back. Uh, Thank you for giving me such beautiful, smooth, jazzy music there, Matt. Best oh, producer yeah. of this. Amazing. Uh, and thank you for having me back for a second time. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, 
Let's yeah, let's get right to it. This is a it's a, a post All Star break um, pod. I think there's 23 games left for the Raptors, but. Maddie, good sir. Uh, you know, if anyone listens to this pod uh, on a regular basis, you know, basically all of our sound clips are Weird Al focused now. So, Maddie D, give me your best Weird Al Raptors sting. Me and spending all my life living in a Raptors paradise. I'm getting used to them. I mean, like, first they're weird, then they're funny, and I'm just like, yep. Trust in Masai. That one, that one, I can't get used to because it, it's Maasai. The, the, the spelling. Listen, we got ChatGPT. We got this new, this new Bing Microsoft thing or whatever. Um, we got a lot of AI out there, and someone's got to be able to hit Maasai's name right. But whatever, Matt is using an old website. Let's move on. Um, uh, Chris, let me go to you first, uh, and. You know, three games, right? We got the, the, the tough loss to Utah. We got, I would say, a, a pretty decent win against Orlando, who's been playing some some good ball. Detroit win, um, which is hard to navigate. I mean, it's like curse breaking, I guess, but there's no Cade. Whatever, you know, Detroit is, is fully, fully tanking. Um, and, yeah, do, do you think the Raptors are, are, are much better with Pirtle on the team and and is that enough to get you excited for the end of the season for the mm-hmm. final I think I think like in the long term at least towards the end of the season I think the Raptors will be a better team I don't know if it'll be fast enough for them to get into like definitely not like a sixth seed maybe the play-in but I mm-hmm. think I like having Pirtle back on the team not because like it's nice to see Yak and Skills back together and the vibes and everything. But I think, like, um, because, you know, Yak is a more veteran presence now. He's mm-hmm. put in a few more years under Pop and the Spurs. I think that um, him being on the team and having a proper center allows the rest of the team to be just slightly more f- aggressive defensively, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. because you have that, just that added extra experience with him bringing him on board. I think that he brings um, a knowledge of the culture, both like Spurs and Raptors culture to the team to help a lot of the younger players. Like he's, I can definitely see him helping out like someone like precious mm-hmm. on the team or someone like Coloco. Uh, and then of course, like you do have that chemistry with, with Pascal and them being such close buds. Like that's, that's, that's nothing but good for a team. Like if, you have two important players that really like each other. That's just going to like, I think that's definitely going to help the locker room as well. And um, just sort of like have the team convalesce a little bit more. So I'm very happy with Yak on the team. I don't know if it's going to be a huge difference, but I think um, it's more of a long-term thing. I don't see, um, I don't see Yak leaving next season. I think his contract is either up this season or next season. I see him staying with the Raptors for a little bit longer, at least as long as Pascal is on the team. Yeah, you know, he, he is an un- unrestricted free agent uh, this year. But, you know, two things you said I feel like really, you know, really resonate with me. Like par- part of the reason I, uh, I'm bringing this up as a, as, as a talking point on the pod is, uh, you know, my whole family were, were hardcore Raptors fans, right? And, um, uh, you know, I'd say mostly positive. And, and my little brother, Thomas, uh, was, um, you know, he was sort of talking about how this season it's been hard to, and my mom too, actually, uh, shout out Kathy. What's up? Um, uh, th- you know, we were talking over lunch, like how, you know, it's been hard or they were saying it's been hard to get excited for this Raptors team. Um, and there's been a lot of stretches where, you know, I think people are wondering, you know, do these do these guys really like each other? You know, or or is this like a are are they kind of like punching the clock? Uh, and and I think that chemistry point is really big. Like you know, just bring that veteran presence, uh, that, that veteran presence, like you said, you know, is really important. Um, I think I was listening to Sean Woodley's Locked On uh, Raptors, uh, and um, yeah, I, th- I think it was Sean who was saying that. Um, uh, 
Jakob in an interview was was sort of talking about how you know the he got a lot better as a spur. You know, it was hard for us to notice, but he he got to have one on one sessions with with Tim Duncan. Um, and I, so I think you we're bringing in a player that that has a lot of skill, fills a lot of our needs, uh, and it's going to help this team a lot. I think in the short term and the long term. But yeah, this question I I wanted to bring it up because I feel like it's it's fair for fans, whether you are like you know I want to be as bad as I can for for a draft pick, or uh, I, I want to trade all these guys, or I don't want to trade anyone. I think it's fair for people to be frustrated. We have so many close losses. There's there's a certain type of like stubbornness that is that's hard to put our finger on. Like we haven't had a real center for years, and and I do. Th- you know, I do think there's some frustration in the fan base that that's warranted. I think a lot of it, uh, you know, some of, or some of it rather is, you know, uh, hysterical a little bit, but, um, but I, I want to focus, I want to validate the people who are frustrated. Uh, okay. Derek, let me, let me go to you. Um, yeah. How much better are we with, with Yakup? Uh, are, are we, are, yeah, are we pushing sixth place? Is that crazy? Uh, are we in the play in? Are we not going to make the playoffs still? Um, and you know, uh, how much does it matter for your excitement? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't think he makes us that much better. But I w- the one thing I will say that he does make that much better is the vibes in the locker room. <laughs> Cause, yeah, cause I, which I, is I important. Do, yeah, it's, it's to me, I think, you know, more so than, than, you know, you can have rough patches. You can be up and down. There can be some inconsistency. Good teams, mature teams, teams with veteran leadership and good coaching and good management can can navigate that, right? Like we've seen other teams do it before. But if the vibes are off in the locker room and guys just aren't getting along or it feels like things are off and, and some of the friction that comes with losing becomes kindling for a fire uh mm-hmm. you know it, it becomes a larger issue and i do genuinely think that with uh Jakob being there i do think that the that the vibes are a lot better and i do think like you know e- even the the game against the spurs when he stayed back late uh here at the at the arena um you know we, i was at the game and and we were chatting with some folks um who were who were speaking with him and he was just so excited to, to be back here and to be mm-hmm. with Pascal. And I know him and Pascal both had like a, a really good long talk after the game, um, you know, just talking about like what's going on, the latest rumors, what's actually happening. Um, and, and yeah, like uh, the fact that, you know, despite the time and the distance that Pascal still remained close with them and that he still remained close with other guys on the team and that, you know, he has that familiarity and being around them in the summertime and at the Rico Hines runs and things like that. I think it really helps for, team building and team chemistry. Um, I think on the court um, that will show. And I think in, in the few games that he's been here, it looks even in that Utah game, which they should not have choked away. Oh, um, like it was a horrible, horrible loss. And it, it really just kind of summarized this season in a nutshell for the Raptors for three yeah. quarters. They looked like a different team. They looked happy. They looked free. It was Pascal, exciting. Pascal looked so excited to turn the corner on a defender and not have to worry about a second or third body being thrown his way because there was a seven foot man who was screening for you, who legitimately was giving you some breathing room. So you didn't have to ISO as much. Um, and I think that to me is, is where you're going to see the dividends. Like he's, he does make us better in the pick and roll. He does make us better with rim protection. He does make us better switching on defense and all those things are great, but he can't fix everything that's wrong with this Raptors team. And it would be unfair to for anyone to put that on him, um, w- even with a full season, let alone 23 games that are left for the rest of this year. So I think a- as good as he is going to be and has been in the, in the few games that we've seen him, and he'll get better as he learns more defenses in the schemes, um, I don't know if it's, it's something that's going to drastically change mm-hmm. what we've seen over the course of 57 games so far uh, without, you know, with and without him. So, you know, I, I don't think you're crazy to, to say six seed. I actually don't. Um, I'm, I, I know our schedule is like the fifth hardest and you're looking at who's left and, and all that stuff, but I could realistically see this team going, you know, something like 15 and eight uh, to close the year out. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you look at the games, like the amount of games that we've lost by three points or less Jakob could be that difference maker. 
right? Like, yeah, I like think so. and, and if you win some of those games a little bit more than you lose, because you'll still probably lose some because we're, we're still the Raptors and we still suck at things. Yeah. Um, huh. You, you know, the 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 law of averages is eventually going to work out in our favor a little bit. And I do think we'll get some of those games. So is it possible for us to get to maybe somewhere around 43 wins? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I don't think it's unrealistic that like, you know, if the Knicks nick um, and, and they mm-hmm. fall from from where they are in six, that we could probably 43 wins around ish could be good enough to get you sixth or seventh uh, in this East if they, you know, hold the way that I think they will. Yeah, I, I I think I think you're right, and you know I'll also add to, um, you know him improving everyone's like life on the court. I feel like he he's a, you know he do, he doesn't demand a lot, and he does a lot for others uh, on the court. To you know to me, there's a similarity. Uh, you know if you're if you're kind of following the Messiah trajectory, obviously it's very different than the way we we built last time. There's there's you know there's tons of differences, but. In some ways, I think that Yakup, you know, it's giving me the same vibes as when the Raptors got Serge Ibaka. And obviously they're completely different players, but it's sort of like it's it's a it's a veteran who's kind of tried tested and true, who's gonna bring, you know, bring some substantial qualities to the team. Um, and you know, to to your point, I've, I I think he's making Pascal's life easier, he's making Fred's life easier. Um, you know, obviously as we get to more competitive situations, we'll figure out some of the deficiencies like spacing, but even to that end, I think some of the spacing is improved when you have more room on a screen. Um, Fred said some pretty clean three point looks since pertle has been here that I haven't really seen this season. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what those looks like for uh, those looks um, look like for Gary um, you know, uh, integrating OG back in, uh, you know, uh, assuming and hoping they can kind of heal well, uh, and the Raptors aren't too, too unlucky. But uh, I think what I'm excited about is to see a more cohesive, happy team, whether we finish in, you know, I'll say for me, you know, less than eighth will be a pretty big disappointment. Uh, you know, based on getting Pirtle and investing in his core. But I think regardless of that, I'm, I've never been at the camp that, you know, putting a young team in the playoffs is a waste in any way. So uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I do, I think we'd beat the bucks or the Celtics. No, I don't, but I, I feel like it can, you know, how you lose really matters. And uh, you know, if we are able to take one of those teams to six games and it's competitive, that, that could really change the narrative that uh, you know that this core's not that this core's not worth investing in. So, uh, in, in that sense, uh, I am really excited. Uh, how much better are we with Pirtle? We'll see, but uh, I, I think we are better. I think we're all sort of agreeing that to a degree we're better. Um, is that like a like a smidgen, or is that is that a big deal? I'm not sure yet, but. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's stick with you, Derek, uh, on the next one. And uh, yeah, which Raptor do you think um, will will have the strongest finish to the season? Um, so I, I know that there's a few good options out there. Like obviously, mm-hmm. Pascal has had a pretty amazing season, arguably his best season individually. Um, you know, barring injuries. Um, obviously, you know, folks like Gary are in a contract year, and Scotty has improved more in this, you know, this latter half of the season um, compared to where he started uh, out earlier in the year. Um, but I think it's Fred. I honestly think it's Fred. Um, I think it's Fred because he's the one that has more at stake here than mm-hmm. pretty much any other person on the team that could be potentially heading into free agency or even potentially being traded. Um, he's right. in a contract year. He's older than most of the guys on the team besides Pascal. Um, and honestly, I feel like ever since, I don't know if he's like chatted with Allen Iverson or what, but ever since he started rocking that arm sleeve, something, something switched in him. It was like the, you know, a baby was born again. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I he, mean, he might have a baby on the way again. Maybe I, I think he, he does actually. He, he but, yeah. probably does, but uh, but yeah, like I, I do think that he has, 
he's looked a bit more like himself uh, more recently and more back to the the, the all-star Fred that we're used to. Um, and I know, you know, there were a lot of people that said, oh, he lost a step. He just doesn't have it. He's taxed physically from being run into the ground from all the minutes over the last few years. And I, and I totally get that. And the criticisms of him are fair. But I do think he will probably have the strongest finish just looking at how he's been playing and what he's building towards. And I also think the addition of Yak actually helps him in that aspect. And you mentioned it, Freddie, earlier, but I think beyond just the looks of it, Fred, whether you want to keep him on the team and re-sign him or you plan on doing some sort of sign-in trade, which is what I imagine the Raptors may do if they Mm -hmm. ultimately decide that this isn't the way that they want to move forward, he is going to look like much more of a true point guard with Jakob than without him because he's going to have a screener. He's going to have somebody who operates well in the pick and rolls. He's going to have somebody who has good hands around the rim and can finish well. Um, and all of those things are going to make Fred look like a better point guard or a more truer point guard than he actually is because he feels more like a shooting guard, hybrid point guard. But, you know, he's a willing passer if he needs to be, but he's more of a shooter when his shot is going and he'll have those better looks. So his numbers will go up, his percentages will be better, his assists will be better. And I think ultimately he will finish probably the strongest this season. I love it. I love the, I love that you're betting on Fred. Um, I think he has been, you know, you know, he's definitely been the the scapegoat. He, he gets the scapegoat of the uh, of the year award um, for a, for a lot of Raptors fans. Uh, I I mean I I can't deny he struggled in some ways, but I'm just gonna read these out. Uh, if you're someone that has been really focused on Fred's percentages, um, so uh, last year uh, 20.3 points a game. This year 19.7. Last year. 6.7 assists a game this year, 6.6. Uh, last year, uh, f- yeah, 0.403 field goal percentage. This year, 0.394. Uh, and the big difference is three point percentage. Last year, uh, he was 0.377. This year, he's 0.344. So his hot January, um, and you know, and and February as well, has really brought him back up to you know right on league average three. We know he's better than that. But I think if you're, if you were, if you were in the camp of like Freddie has somehow like lost his shot forever, I think you probably need to reevaluate that before, um, before you're just flat out wrong. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's my belief in Freddie. I I don't, he doesn't seem like a complacent guy to me. And, you know, like you were saying, he has a, all the reasons in the world to have a strong end to the season. Um, I love it. I love the Freddie love. Um, Chris, who is your, uh, who's your candidate to have a strong finish to the year? I, I do believe Fred is the correct answer. And I, and I, and going back to your point about his hot January, I think the fact that Fred was still heavily rumored on the trade market still says something about him as a player. Like he's seen at least on the rumor mill, like NBA teams still see a lot of value in Fred as a player, whether it's his, his shooting, uh, his playmaking, his leadership on the court. I think there's a lot of value there in Fred. And I think, I think, Fred is entitled to a bit of a slump. I think Pascal was the scapegoat a couple of seasons ago when people were really ragging on him, especially after his oh, yeah. uh, performance. So I think it's okay if Fred has a similar season. Like, not every season is going to be a consistent uphill trajectory. And now you see Pascal and he's having his best individual season ever. Um, just as sort of like a dark horse pick, however, I can definitely see OG finishing pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, especially and kind of because, as Derek mentioned earlier, because you have Yak on the team, that gives a lot of pressure, at least when he comes back, a lot of pressure off of OG to be defensive, like to, to you know, to flex those defense muscles to do what he's really, really good at, to have that extra person to sort of share the load. So I can definitely see uh, OG benefiting from Yak's presence a great deal and uh, building up his value because I think he's either on a player option. I think he's, I think he's up for renewal either this season or next season as well. So I think he would stand to, um, you know, be motivated to perform a little bit better defensively too, and 
be a little more aggressive and just have other people to play off of and have a little more spacing and just more room for him to do things that he does really well. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. You know, I, I think OG is, is set up well here and, you know, um, Yak does, you know, he really does. I'm, I'm glad we started with Yak because he really does play into all of this. Mm-hmm. He, he lessens the load for so many players on this team. Um, you know, I, 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 I'll put my hand up and say that I more than anything wanted another shooter, uh, at the deadline. Um, but you know, I acknowledge we needed a center and it's just, yeah, it's showing me how much better it is for everyone, you know, precious Scotty, uh, and, and I think OG is going to get more open looks and, and also have to do less bruising in the paint and, you know, do more, do more work on the perimeter, right? We're already seeing, uh, you know, the precious do a lot of that, a lot more kind of perimeter mm-hmm. defending uh, and not having to get in, you know, foul trouble all the time. Uh, my pick uh, is actually Scotty. Uh, I think that, um, you know, sophomore slump is thrown around a lot and, I think that we actually did see it to a certain degree with Scotty, but I think it was this really, I've been talking about this, you know, all year. I think that it was this really convoluted thing, you know, back in the day, right. With Dwayne Casey, uh, you know, and, and you can say whatever you want about Casey, but I think one thing that I loved about him is that he was like, a, you know, he was, he was like, a, he was like a metronome. He was like, you know, if you're in a studio, he was like the, the type of drummer who could just like everything was so unbelievably consistent to a fault. Right. But, you know, he used to hand out roll cards to all the players and say like, Norm, this is what I expect of you. Eight minutes of this Fred, you're backing up Kyle, uh, you know, whatever. Like he, he, he would give players really, really specific uh, expectations. And I don't think that's the case with this current team. Um, I, I think nurse is it's way more sort of read and react and like, Hey, if you got the ball, do this. If you think it's a good shot, do it. Um, if you want to bring it up, that's fine. Fred can play off guard. And it's like, it's all good, but also at the same time, it leaves players sometimes uh, like it's a good development tool in a way, but I think also at the same time, it can be confusing and I think Fred and Scotty have had some shared sort of struggles, um, you know, n- like knowing what to do when. And I think you've also seen the, you know, Raptors fans ba- fan base sort of be like Camp Fred or Camp Scotty this year. And to me, it's not a major coincidence that they both started playing their best offensive basketball at the same time. And I think, you know, with Yak, we're going to see a lot more um, – just like, yeah, like, you know, uh, ease of play for Scotty. He's going to enjoy, um, you know, handling the ball more uh, in, in the backup units. He's going to enjoy guarding centers less uh, and, and you know, just being more disruptive. Like, uh, you know, I, I just think that Scott, the fourth quarter Scotty thing, I think is really going to, it's really going to end well. Um, and and I, I expect some of his bigger numbers, some of his bigger games, uh, coming up here. I think, you know, the fact that that just that little bit of ease in the, in the pressure is going to be huge for a guy like Scotty. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's my take. Any other, you know, before we move on, any other players that you feel like that either of you feel like we just like haven't talked about at all that deserve a little bit of love? No. Okay. Uh, well, I was, I, was oh. I have one. I just want sure, to sure, yeah. see if Chris had anybody to say first. Um, I, I still think it's precious. I, I started the season really high on precious. Yep. And, and I think about how he ended last year, like shooting <laughs> <Yeah>. 40% from three and <laughs> yeah. just being like a world record on offense and on defense at times. And we've like, it's unfortunate that he was robbed of some time this year because of that ankle injury, because he was really like starting to turn the corner and, and playing a lot better. And then, and then like, once he came back, it was kind of like, you have to readjust again and figure out what your role is and figuring out like how to maneuver and navigate that situation with people that are injured or guys that are on cold streaks. And so he hasn't quite been able to find that consistency yet, but I do think I've, I've still loved his defense and, and what he's brought. He's still, a Jekyll Hyde guy, like sometimes it's like, yeah. it's like, man, I love what you can do on one end. If you could just sort of even match 75% of that on the other, it would be incredible. And then sometimes it's, it's so frustrating because you're like, I see that you can do this. I know that you can do this. It's just being able to put it all together. And I think part of the problem is that people forget 
how young Precious is. Precious is basically around the same age as Scotty. It's just that yeah. we don't view him that way because in our heads, it's like, oh, well, he was drafted earlier and he was on the heat. And in our heads, it's like we just view like Precious on the heat was like he was there for like two, three years. It's like he he had a year with them and he didn't do a whole ton. And if you look at like t- videos of him when he was on the heat, I'm sure they were super frustrated with him because they're like, you have all the raw physical skills and athleticism that you need to be a good NBA player but it doesn't translate. And now we're starting to see that development. So I think if there's anybody that, that one can hopefully put it together and, and really build a good, strong campaign through the last little bit of this, it's, it's precious as my, my other dark horse. Yeah. I, I love precious. You know, anyone that Messiah is like obsessed with uh, that, that he's just like, I need this guy. Um, you know, I I'm, I'm a big fan of like, you know, just, I was just looking at some stats while you were saying that. Um, and just look at this progress. So, so year one for Precious, uh, free throw percentage, um, 509. Year two, 595. Year three, 691. So that just shows you just his free throws, right? So it's just like, you know, we, you know he, he clearly has preposterous athletic skills that, you know, you know that, 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 that classic combination of kind of like you're, you're too fast for someone that big. And, um, you know, for, for someone that's that fast, you're, you're also kind of too strong. And it's this weird mix of like athletes don't usually, they're usually more one or the other. And he's right in this, this difficult to guard balance. And um, yeah, I, 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 first of all, I'd love to see it. And I don't think it's crazy to say like, you know, people forget what injuries do. 23 games. He missed 23 games. He tore a ligament in his ankle. That's not a joke. If that happened to me, I'd tell the guys I play rec ball with, like, I'm done forever. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I'm out. That's it. I mean, I'm 36, but even still, I'd be, I'd be like, that's it for me. I golf now, you know? Um, it's too expensive, but, you know, whatever. Some other sport. Uh, um, bird watching. I'm a bird watcher now. Uh, okay, let's, uh, uh, Chris, unless you got anyone, um, I think, I think we're probably good to, uh, to move on to some NBA stuff. Precious was my pick as well. Okay. I'm big on Precious. I've been, I've been a Precious fan since he was on the heat, since they were in preseason. I'm a, I'm a big believer in Precious, Precious Chua. I invested in that stock early and I'm happy to see him developing as well as he has. And yes, he's only in his third season. So, um, there's a lot more room for growth there for him. Like I'm very excited to see him develop as a player. Yeah. And you know, just to put him back on like the bench, even it's pretty big, right? Like just mm-hmm. like, Hey, there's, you know, yeah, again, Jakob's here. He's, he's doing a lot of what you were doing and he's just that much further along. So less pressure, you could, you know, coming off the bench um, and, and, and dunk on somebody uh, or rip down some boards or, you know, hit an open three. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Um. Okay, let's uh let's do some NBA stuff. Uh Maddie, good sir. Uh I mean, yeah, we got more Weird Al sounds coming. Uh give me your best Weird Al NBA. This is Adam Silver Huge. And this is the silly segment. So Maddie D, we're gonna get you to come in here. Um All-star. Uh I think, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do a quick little uh, on the fly here before we, before we go there. But, um, uh, all-star is always funny to me, like, like weird stuff happens. So, uh, what, what I'm just going to ask everyone, uh, you know, I, I can go first. I'll, I'll, I'll give the answer first. So I don't put everyone on the spot too much, but just tell me your single funniest moment from all-star weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go first. Uh, I feel like the the funniest moment, it was a little bit played up, but it did make me 
like it did make me laugh. I was like, you know what? I, I, I totally get it, dude. Um, you know, during the celebrity game, uh, yes, I watched the celebrity game. Uh, I was sick on Friday night. Okay. I didn't have anything to do. Um, but I watched the celebrity game and they brought in like uh, uh, Carlos Boozer and Richard Jefferson and Richard Jefferson dunked. And then as soon as they called a timeout, he was like basically like waved to the audience like he was done. He ran over to the bench and laid down and he looked like he was having a panic attack. <laughs> so uh, that, that, yeah, that, that was a good moment for me. Um, that, 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 I mean, a lot of funny moments. Uh, let me go to you, uh, uh, Chris. What, what was your funniest moment from All-Star? Oh, um, it's also from the celebrity game, but it was more after the fact. I think it was um, sure. they decided to mic up Janelle Monet, and uh, she wasn't on the court very much, but she was on the sidelines heckling everyone. And when I heard her audio feed of her just like bossing everyone around, like this very small five foot two woman just like bossing everyone around the court, I, I got a big kick out of that. Yeah, she was awesome. She brought the end, like even her intro. I was like, okay, this is people need to get up to her level. And our um, pure anarchy and chaos Derek do you have a, a funniest moment from the all-star weekend yeah so <laughs> much like you guys I well I'm gonna say it right here to me the best part of all-star weekend was a celebrity all-star game like it was it was the most fun there was a lot of stuff going on um and it wasn't because of the four-point line um I think for me it was it was the end of the of that game but it was it wasn't particularly the moment with with the the wrestler the Miz it was they had fat Joe like on the headset, like talking, yeah. like doing an interview while the game was still ending. And then the shot went in. Like, obviously, it was late, but it went in. And fat Joe's reaction, like they had a camera right in his face. And he just went from like, yeah, so, you know, I got like a new project coming out and blah, 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 blah. So like, oh, my God, we never lose. Like he just immediately like got transported to like 2003 in New York, like entertainment basketball classic, like just being like my team never loses. We always win. I'm leaving. And then he just like took his headset off and just started storming the court with his hands up. So that to me was probably the, the funniest moment for me. Yeah, that was that was a huge moment. Shout out Fat Joe. He was he was entertaining. Um, you know, different energies than someone like Janelle Monet, but I'm like, I'm into Fat Joe's energy too. Uh Maddie, is there is there a, a funniest moment for you? I I don't know what you were able to catch. Um, okay, I'll be honest with you, as I am every year. Sure. Um I, I don't generally watch all-star games or all-star weekends, sure. but I do catch a couple of the clips. Sure. From time to time. And I did enjoy seeing Pascal with the nineties camcorder, you know, the mini yes. <laughs> he's probably that was a great moment. <laughs> recording on mini shack. DVD. Yeah, he was doing the shack. That that was kind of fun to see. I'd love to see him like here on a Sunday trying to figure out how to get into his computer. He's gonna have to take it to a specialty shop probably to get it transferred. Yeah. I'm available, Pascal. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, Pascal, <laughs> hit up Maddie. He'll help you transfer that shit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that, that was pretty. Hey, that, that, was, a, that was it. That's a, that's a great pick. Uh, I'll, I'm going to throw in one more because uh, um, I just want to uh, top myself here. Um, Giannis was mic'd up. All the miking up stuff was weird. But um, when Giannis was mic'd up, at one point, he just goes, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't hear a word you're saying. And then he just like continued coaching and i was like that's good shit that you can't prepare for a guy just just basically saying i don't understand you and i can't hear you um <laughs> I, I think to add to that point i think the the to me my favorite one was when richard jefferson was also refereeing next to him and they were trying to have a conversation and Giannis is like i didn't realize you were gonna referee like awesome mark davis shit like yes and he's like i'm mic'd up like you can't say this like <laughs> yes and I that glad that universally in the league, every player knows like that's the guy that just was going to swing a game against you. Yeah. yeah Giannis is pretty unfiltered. Um, in, in, in a childlike joy type of way, which is, which is fun. His winner, winner, chicken dinner thing. That was weird. Um, okay. Uh, Maddie, uh, you're going to kick us off with the silly question here. Um, I don't know how silly we get. We might have some good ideas, but, uh, <laughs> The All-Star Saturday Night has a skills challenge, ever-changing skills challenge. Um, we have the three-point contest. A lot of people want that to be the, the final 
Uh, you know, it's really like a bankable, entertaining thing. But the reason you got to have the dunk off last is because what can happen uh, on Saturday night, um, you know, like the fact that that can happen, you have to leave it there because it was special. Um, shout out Mac, shout out Mac McClung. Like, man, guy looks like Mac DeMarco and he's just going off. It's, it's crazy. I had a lot of Mac McClung jokes on Twitter. Check me out. I was having a fun time. Um, <laughs> but honestly, shout out to that guy. That was amazing. Um, uh, Maddie though, like, so there's, there's those three events. You can add an event. Uh, what event are you adding to Saturday night? Um, okay. There's a bit of a weird delay here, guys. So just bear with me because of the last, last, the last ride of this computer. Um, <laughs> the event is fixing your computer. Everyone's yeah. This is like the event. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's diagnosing. I've got the, uh, the, uh, the Mac genius bar all around me. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here, here's my thing with the all-star game. Now, Fred, you, you do kind of ask this question every year. I know you get real excited about ways to improve the all-star game. And I think in the past I've said, you know, get more vets in there, like all-stars from the past and stuff. Sure. But really, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I know a lot of people shit on the all-star weekend. I think they do it on every sport. The yeah. NHL one came under a lot of heat this year as well. I, I honestly think it would be great to have a break from the All-Star, and it's too bad that there's not an Olympic break in between the seasons. So, like, there could be that kind of tournament that could kind of take a break from it. and Because it would be great to, even if they could c- come up with some kind of tournament where it's like USA versus the world, and it's just like a best of seven or something like that, it would be really cool. Best of uh, best of five. Let's not get crazier. Um yeah, I, I just think it seems like every year people are complaining that nobody seems to really care. The players are caring less. None of them want to dunk a G-leaguer who did an amazing job and doubled his, like, how much he's made in the NBA with winning the dunk contest. It, it just kind of, it's like nobody cares like they used to. And I feel like that's fine. It's cool to bring in different things, but... It it's just maybe maybe we don't do the dunk contest one year until they start to care again, you know. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, remove the it. dunk contest. I, I love it. Maddie is is he's choosing to subtract. <laughs> um, I, I like it. I, I was like, what do you want to add? He's like, nothing, nothing <laughs> at all. I want to take something away so that you appreciate it more. <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt's like an angry parent who's just basically like, no TV this weekend. Yeah, you ran around in winners. You're yeah. done. I'm getting okay? way too old, man. Yeah, no video games. <laughs> um, uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you don't play uh, defense in the All-Star game, we're doing an international tournament. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is good. This is good. Um, okay, I'm going to go to you, Chris, next. Uh, yeah, say, uh, you know, I was talking about Saturday night. You know, what, like, what, uh, what type of event or competition would you add to Saturday night? Ah. So speaking of video games, uh, I would love to see an NBA jam style tournament where you have two all stars going head to head, uh, two teams of two all stars going head to head with each other and doing it tournament style a la the rising stars or uh, that format. I like those little mini teams where they had the smaller quarters and uh, having an advance. So that's what I would love to hmm. see. Have, and like allowing some of those moves to get it like really interesting and really dirty. So yeah, I would do an NBA jam style with the all-stars. That's, that's really fun. I also feel like you could just encourage some like live editing. So, you know, back in the day, you know, when the, the NHL wasn't taking off in the, in the States, they did the, like the red shot, uh, blue pass or whatever the hell you could do a trail of fire for a three. Um, you know, they do it in the NFL. They can do it in the NBA for uh, all the Nickelodeon games. Yeah. You can figure it out. Also. I love the idea of the two stars of every team, um, uh, having to play a full court game. That's just hilarious to me. Like, it's just like Jokic and Murray. And it's like, sorry, Murray's kind of injured and Jokic. This is a full court game. Um, let's see what you got. 
Um, and they could push each other and stuff, yep. uh, which would be good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. You know, but honestly, though, some nostalgia with NBA Jam would be great. Uh, Derek, what's up? What's your, what's your pick? Yeah, I think the NBA Jam idea is phenomenal. I love that idea, Chris. Um, for me, I think we got to take it back to the playgrounds. Uh, you know, whether wherever you were in the world at recess, uh, playing, you know, bump. Oh man, twenty one. Or, or American, like imagine if you had like, and you could add people, but I think if you just took the all-star teams, like the the whatever team, Giannis team or whoever, and had them go up against each other in a game of bump or 21 or American with, with or without tips. Well, I guess you wouldn't even need to tip. You could just dunk, I guess, um, which would probably also be more exciting. But just imagining all of those guys like playing against each other and somebody knocking your ball away and trying to beat the clock or, you know, you try to do that with Steph and then he st- ends up hitting like a 40 footer and you're like, well, what can I do? I think that to me would be just as fun and entertaining, if not more entertaining than what we currently have. Cause I think if it, that could fit, that could honestly replace the skills challenge and be just as good or even replace a dunk contest um, until, until like Maddie says, you know, until you, uh, you know, appreciate <laughs> it more or until, you know, you get like a Vince yeah. Carter <laughs> to, to bring Eat it your back. veggies. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Uh, I love it so much. Uh, bump was my idea as well. Uh, bump is amazing. It's just one of those. It's like a, that's a game that's built perfectly. It's entertaining. Uh, I would love to see bump. Um, even just to get that point when there's a couple people left and it gets tiring, I guess NBA players, you probably have to shoot the, the, the three maybe. Um, but, uh, here's my backup, which I'm making up on the fly. Uh, the, the super undercard, uh, before the skills challenge, uh, you have a, um, uh, basically like an eight on eight, uh, you know, like, like, you know, two teams each get three subs of the, um, uh, best high school players in the nation. Uh, so it's just like a mini game. People would be excited. The players would be amazing. Um, I think it would be a way, uh, you know, for, for, you know, it would be fun for, to see NBA players. Like they probably know them. Um, and, and I think, uh, uh, you know, high school players at that level are, are ridiculous. So um, bringing some high school players uh, best in the nation. Um, I don't know how you would rank that or, you know, I'm just forget about all the political stuff that would come with that. But uh, I, I think it would be fun. Uh, okay. That's a silly question. I think we, we did it justice. Uh, let's uh, let's finish here with the last cue. I'm going to go to you, uh, Derek, first. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I've been saying this for a long time. And, you know, I think it, it's evident this year. Uh, everyone's saying it because it, it's true. The, the league is experiencing the most parity uh, potentially uh, it's ever experienced. We don't know who the, uh, the two finals teams will be, but it could be two different teams yet again. Uh, which would tie a record in the 70s, I believe, uh, four years in a row. Um, no teams are projected to win 60 games. Uh, I think, you know, even the really bad teams, like, you know, I, I mean, this is this is an old reference, but I remember the, the New Jersey Nets. People were wondering if they were going to win 10 games, you know. So, so even though, you know, we're tanking for Scoot, we're tanking for Wemby, but teams, are just, it's just things are just more competitive. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, what this is sort of an open question. Like what to you epitomizes the current state of parity in the league could be a team, could be a style, could be a player. Yeah. I think, I think for me, um, I'm going to say in general, the standings, as you mentioned, because just looking at where teams are and, and the gap between like, a top five, six team and a, like people in like 13th, like the Lakers, they're not far out from, from going one way or the other um, yeah. at any point, which I think is, is a clear sign of it. But more so than anything, I think to me, the one team is the Sacramento Kings. Um, they have been a hot mess for like pretty much a good chunk of my life. Um, and, and the fact that like they're already beyond like they're, I think they're at like 32 wins on the season and I don't even think like in the last, like maybe since like 2004 that they've surpassed or hit 32 wins more than maybe once or twice, which is insane to think about. Like there are full on kids 
that are teens, maybe starting college or university, that have never known the Sacramento Kings to be anything other than mismanaged and and just a hot mess. So the fact that the the Kings of all te- all teams who haven't like it's not like they drafted particularly well. It's not like they had like a Maasai come in and reinvent the wheel and start over. Like mm-hmm. no, they just they just made some pretty decent trades and stuck with some of the guys that they got like De'Aaron Fox and, and brought in a competent coach and some decent management. And they have been able to swell to like, you know, higher heights. than I think anybody in that city has imagined. And I think it's great. I'm so happy for people in Sacramento that are fans of the Kings to be able to see that because they are a good example of that middle in the NBA. Cause like usually like every season, like there's always going to be like, a team or, or a few teams that are like clearly like much better than everyone else. And then there's going to be a few teams that are like completely hopeless. And then it's the middle that kind of sorts itself out after like 30 games. Right. Yeah. Like, like there's a, there's usually like a bunch up in the beginning of the season. And then before, like by Christmas, you start to see some separation. Now we're not seeing any of that separation, that entire middle chunk of the league is all highly competitive and all live to make the postseason or playing in some capacity that I think that to me is, is what is the epitome of how we're seeing that parody play out. Yeah. Good. Great answer. Um, big shout out to the beam. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's been fun. Uh, and, and yeah, my, you know, I, I, I was waiting for you to say, it, and, and, and I think Mike Brown, um, you know, has done a lot for that team, but yeah, they didn't do that much. It's not like they got Donovan Mitchell or, you know, it's not like they made this like insane move. They traded Halliburton, right? Which a lot of people are like, that's horrible. And, you know, the Sabonis thing has worked out. Fox just developed. Uh, and, um, you know, they're, yeah, they're not like the Grizzlies or the uh, Nuggets. They're, they're kind of right there with the Clippers and, and, and the sun's now. So um, that's a, that's a great, you know, a uh, great answer. Uh, I think of, of something, you know, a team that epitomizes the middle uh, or, you know, the, the kind of parody in the league. Uh, Chris, what's up? What, you know, what, what do you think, uh, you know, is, is a good sort of example of this, uh, you know, parody right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the death of the super team. Uh, the Nets, mm just now or sort of like that last ditch attempt to have a legitimate super team with Kyrie Harden and Kevin Durant. And it just failed. And I think the fact that New York was or rather Brooklyn was so um, willing to trade away Kyrie and Kevin just like overnight basically like those rumors didn't exist and then all of a sudden a week before the trade deadline those rumors come out of nowhere Kyrie is on the Mavs Kevin Durant is on the Suns and it was just yep that's it that's uh well we're not going to be seeing that again for a very long time just because of how much of an abject failure that construction was and just how they I think the Harden Kyrie Durant lineup played together 18 games out of the three seasons out of the out of those seasons it's just they just never they hardly played together it just didn't work and I think you're gonna start seeing uh, maybe teams with like maybe one or two superstars on them and that's it like that's gonna be the model moving forward you're gonna see an emphasis on development and I think um the fact that teams are so much more competitive, Kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier in that um, when teams tank, that has an effect on the players. No, no matter what you say, losing, even though if you're losing on purpose, it really does um, a number on morale, on team morale. Yeah, team, it holds you back. And I think that teams are starting to realize that even if you're playing for the middle, even though you're, you're you may not be the number one seed, but if you're a six seed and you can develop your young players, that's a healthy route to follow. That's a healthy model. And I think Masai was definitely one of the earlier adopters to that. And that's why you just you just never see the Raptors tank ever. You, they, they always sort of try to retool and develop from within because that's what's worked for them and that's what's working for other teams. Like that's what's working for the bucks. 
Um, that's what's working for Boston right now, too. You had Jalen and, Jay- and Jason playing together, playing some of the best basketball of their careers. And then the rest of the team is like trades and development and coaching and stuff like that. You're just seeing that model more and more now. And uh, yeah, that uh, and, and the Spurs, of course, being, you know, the, mm-hmm. four, the forefathers of that, you know. Almost. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think people are just starting to follow that Spurs model a little bit more rather than like tanking. Now, granted, they're tanking right now, but um, they're still developing their players and they're still like working under pop, like they're still getting that benefit. So I just think that's what the route is going to be from now moving forward. And I think um, that's a lot more profitable for a lot of the mid-range teams as well. So it's not just parity in, you know, the teams themselves. It's like parity for earning potential. Like, you know, Memphis is doing really well. I imagine their games are selling really well too. And it's a smaller market. It, it benefits smaller markets to do that as well. So I think I'm going to see, you're going to see teams just doing that because it's just better for the bottom line and better for the players. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I I agree a thousand percent, and you know, a ton of fantastic points there. I I I, I totally am with you on, on the super team. Um, you know, it seems almost like like sort of like a basic, obvious thing the same, obvious thing to say, but like winning is good. It feels good, and organically doing stuff. Um, although you know, it does require a lot of patience from fans. It, it it bears fruit, right? You know the, the the obviously the Spurs are are, are the yeah you know the like you said the forefathers of that, um, but you know teams like the Heat, teams like the Raptors, the Jazz, even you know the Jazz and Pacers are tanking this year. Well, they've they've had they've they've done a lot of good stuff, right? Still, and you know before this year started, uh, I kept saying like I've never in my NBA you know fandom experience seen the Jazz, the Pacers, or the Spurs tank. So I'm very curious to see what it looks like. And yeah, you know, I think it looks a lot healthier than what I've seen in, in, you know, whether it's the process or, you know, some of what the thunder, uh, you know, has done, um, you know, I, I, it looks a lot more competitive and like, you know, like, like good things are being nurtured still. Um, yeah, g- great points. Um, my, my point, I'm just going to squeeze it in there uh, and tie a bow on this pod. It's just, uh, I think scoring, I think, so much scoring uh, is, is this means parity for everyone. The three pointer um, to me is an example of like any team, any team, the worst team in the league can get hot from three and absolutely change the course of a game. Um, uh, I was going to say Cam, uh, Cam Johnson, but, uh, but Cam Thomas, you know, can, can have back to back 40 point games uh, and just like rattle somebody. Right. Uh, so I, I think the fact that it just has this anything is possible vibe uh, when 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 scoring is the way it is. So that that's my example. But um, just to keep this baby uh, under an hour, I'm going to bring Maddie D uh, in here. and We'll wrap this baby up. Uh, let me say thanks to everyone who listens to this podcast and for supporting us. You know, do that. I don't say this a lot, but do that nice thing for us. Uh, if you like the pod, give us a review on iTunes or whatever, um, maybe support us on Patreon. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, let me go to you first, Chris. Uh, what do you got going on? What do you want to plug? I got nothing to plug. I'm just here for a good time. Hey, that's okay. Um, I mean, I'm into that. Um, Derek, what's up? You got anything going on? You want to plug? Um, much like Chris, I don't have anything major to plug, but I will plug a few things. So as, as always, you know, support your local broadcaster, uh, you know, being informed is important. So always stay on top of that. Um, and of course, you know, support women in sports, uh, support, uh, you know, uh, anybody that's a part of a, a marginalized uh, group or, or meeting at an intersection. I think it, we don't have enough of those voices. We need more of them. And I would be, I would love to see more of them. And then the last thing I will say before I cut it is bring a WNBA team to Toronto, please. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I'm going to be annoying about that for sure. Um, and I'll be there uh, at the uh, the big audition preseason game. But uh, Maddie D, sorry, I didn't leave you a lot of time here. Uh, let people uh, know what they what they need to know about about <laughs> us, about Raptors Republic. 
Uh, yeah. You know, if you listen to the episode on the podcatchers, thank you. Please rate, as Freddie said, that really helps us out. It helps out the rap cast. And if you watch us on YouTube, the we put up a couple of segments. There's a whole other episode that you can listen to on the podcatchers. So go to Spotify or Apple or whatever you like and listen to the full episode there. As always, go to raptorsrepublic.com for all their articles, the paywall, and dunkspodcast.com. That's our own calling card. That's our own website, so you can listen and report there as well. I love it. Um, and, and a sweet goodbye kiss to Matty D's <laughs> old laptop. Oh, God. Um, uh, well, we'll see where we're at next week. But uh, again, thank you so much, everyone. Uh, uh, thank you, Derek. Thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you, Maddie. Uh, Maddie, if you feel like we're done and we're good to go, please just give me those words I love so much. Okay. Okay. Listen to full episodes of the Confederacy of Dunks only on the Rapcast.